0: Welcome back to Six Pennies Podcast. We're back. We're all alive. Well, it's only uh, myself and Albie. Bamaka is alive. Albi, how's it going out there? What is up,
1: Timmy? Yes, it's been a while, uh, but we're going to try to do these more moving forward. We had amazing news right in the NBA this past week, so we had to jump on.
0: This is the only reason why I'm on. You're right. It is NBA trade deadline week. We just finished the trade deadline uh, yesterday, Thursday. Ooh. Today is Friday the 11th and so we wanted to jump on a reaction podcast yesterday didn't have uh enough time but wanted to let things settle a little bit so we can give all our thoughts on all the trades man what a deadline
1: it's been it it was probably the most active deadline i can remember
0: in definitely uh, in definitely at least four or five years so let's go back um let's go back even before yesterday because there were a couple bigger trades uh earlier in the week uh, so I'm going to go down the list. You tell me if we should just skip this or not. Uh, okay. but number one, I think was the first trade that came a, a full week ago, February 4th. And this was a big sign to us that the trailblazers were ready to move, uh, away from their current core. They moved Robert Covington and Norm Powell to pick up Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow and a pick. What did you think about that? Do I need to cover that at all?
1: Yeah, we'll cover it. Cause the, uh, the, the one thing I wanted to say about the Portland front office is, um, so we we've had those discussions about who you think the worst front office is, or which team, which franchise are just gonna be bad forever, right? Or mediocre forever. Um, Sacramento's always named Orlando, places like that. But what the Portland Trailblazers front office has done in the last eighteen months has been like terrible. I I think I think they should take the cake as the worst front office. Started off with the uh, Norm Powell. Wow gary trent deal uh, last year and it ends up with you know, a couple deals this year i know they're trying to blow it up plus build around dame and that's hard to do right blow it up and also get better but i they're just getting like cents on the dollar and it's everybody sees it i don't know what do you think
0: i don't know that i would put them in the category of the kings or the magic because they are in a whole league of their own But definitely a lot of questionable moves, a lot of win now moves from trading multiple firsts, I believe for Robert Covington um, to Nurkic. Did Nurkic get a big extension? I I don't know. To uh, just kind of not seeing the writing on the wall for McCollum and Lillard not really working together uh, about two to three years ago. And definitely now just paying for that by making a, a, a couple moves here that, as we'll see later. That is trying to blow it up, but also taking back some things that aren't aren't great. Like what are you doing with with Eric Bledsoe and Justice Winslow here? Um, and then yeah, paying to get rid of of Covington now and, and moving Norm Powell after after just picking those guys up. So definitely. But,
1: but on the other side, Timmy. I mean, if you look at the Clippers, I know this is a kind of like a move for for this year because they're they're still kind of contending for that play in spot in the West. But this really sets them up for a really amazing team next year when Kawhi and Paul George come back. So I think this is a pretty, actually like a low-key, sneaky, great move for the Clippers, acquiring all this talent, because Norm Powell and Robert Covington, although Covington's taken a step back, these two will be, you know, assets in the in the playoffs. So I, I like the move for the Clippers. Uh,
0: sure, I guess. Um, I, I guess my question is on Kawhi and Paul George. Are Are they that great? And, um, Kawhi did sign. Did he re-sign a contract?
1: I think they're back next year. I think I think the moves that they just made is an indication that both PG and Kawhi will be back next year. Like they're, got, they're going all in, in my
0: opinion. I show here that that Kawhi is under contract for the next two years. So I don't know if he at some point signed an extension. Regardless, I, a lot of it's just going to come down to health, right? Like is Kawhi actually going to play? Um, yeah, is he going to sure. be back to full strength? Is he going to be that? two-time Finals MVP again. If so, then they definitely continue to add the same kind of uh, wing depth and length that can uh, hopefully take them to the next level. But let's let's move on. Uh, February 6th, a couple days later, the Cleveland Cavaliers picked up Paris Levert for Ricky Rubio and a bunch of picks, or Ricky Rubio's contract and a bunch of picks, uh, because I think he's out. Yep. Uh, the Cavs bolster their their wing position to make a huge run in the playoffs. They are uh, maybe the surprise team of the year. Uh, a, a top top 3 seed in in the East, is that right right now? I, I don't know the exact standings. Um it pains me because, you know, the Houston Rockets had Karis LeVert and decided we didn't want him and the Cavs. That's crazy. I don't
1: even remember
0: that. Well, you know, we had we got Karis LeVert and Jared Allen who are both now on the
1: Cavs. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you're They're
0: right. Or rerouted them for a pick and for Victor Oladipo, who is also no longer on the team. So not the best.
1: Yeah, I mean to answer your question, the Cavs are um, so that the top five, top five seeds in the East are all like within one game of each other. So it changes from night to night. Uh, but you're right, Cleveland has been a huge surprise. I didn't realize the Rockets had both Jared Allen, who is playing at an All-Star level this season, um, and Karis LeVert. As far as this move is concerned, uh, it, it makes sense from the Pacer standpoint, because um, new coach, right, with Rick Carlo, they're kind of ch- trying to change things up. We'll probably get to the Sabonis trade later, um, but they kind of blew it up with Lavert and Sabonis. Cavs' perspective, um, with Sexton going down, Rubio going down, like they needed uh, backcourt depth. And I know Karis Levert is more of a wing player, but he can definitely get his own shot and you know, you can kind of just isolate him, and he'll help get you buckets. That team is really fun to watch, and the key to that k- team is actually defense with Jared Allen, Evan Mobley. So, if um, if Johnny Mosley, the sure. coach, can come can convince Karis Lavert to play like adequate defense, I think that team is is going to be a really hard out.
0: Two days later, the Pacers make the other move, so we'll go ahead and go straight to that. So the Pacers move to Montes Sabonis. Uh, and some other stuff, and they get Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Hield and Tristan Thompson. But Tyrese Halliburton going to the going to the Pacers from the Kings. The Kings, who have made mistake after mistake over the past fifteen years or so, they finally nailed a, tra- a draft pick with Halliburton, and they decide to trade him instead of trying to move uh, one of their other guys like um, Fox or or Davion Mitchell. But I mean, Halliburton is an awesome player. He's fun to watch. He's like 21, 22 years old. And and the Kings just decided, you know, we'll take Sabonis instead, who is also great. But uh, Halliburton definitely with the upside here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love Tyrese Halliburton. Um, You know, I have have a a Twitter page where I kind of post all my thoughts and comments about NBA. And um, I like Tyrese Halliburton more than De'Aaron Fox. I know De'Aaron Fox is more explosive. He's faster. He's a lot easier to cheer for. but. Uh, to me, Halliburton is more solid. He's a better shooter and he runs the pick and roll really well. So I think he's going to be a perfect fit in Indiana. Um, whether it's Karis Levert and Brogdon or Karis Levert and Duarte, I think they have a backcourt of the future. I think he's the Wait. crown jewel of this trade. Here, like, I Karis like the bonus.
0: Karis Sorry. Levert just got moved. Oh,
1: so, uh, Chris Duarte. Chris Duarte. Oh,
0: uh, Duarte and Halliburton or Brogdon and Halliburton. Yes, yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's great. I think consensus uh, amongst the media, at least from what I hear, is that Halliburton definitely is is the better player than Fox, at least considering the age and the contract, Fox just had an extension and uh, like we said, just kind of his upside. So it, it's a big move um, for the Pacers to get somebody good. I don't know about fit since the Pacers are kind of just blowing it up anyway. But if they're going to just build around Halliburton at this point, that's that's pretty good in itself. And the Kings um, will continue to waste away in Sacramento.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a, as a selfish NBA fan, I wish Halliburton went to, like, a bigger market, because I think yeah. he, he deserves to be, like, on a, a contender team, because he's that good. Kind of like Shea Gorges, poor,
0: poor guy going from Sacramento to <laughs> I
1: know, Oof.
0: I know. Not fun. Okay, so back to the Blazers, who started with the move uh, to blow up their team a little bit, and they really blew it up, finally, by moving CJ McCollum to the Pelicans. And they got back a poo-poo platter, including Josh Hart, who's really good. Um, and Nikhil Alouz, okay. who's, yeah. I mean, Josh Hart is good. He's he's a good player. Sure. Um, they got a protected first and two seconds. That's really the the crux of this, as well as getting rid of C.J. McCollum's uh, contract and giving them some room to decide what to do next. The Pelicans, on the other hand, I guess kind of going all in on C.J. McCollum. Buyers.
1: Yeah, surprisingly, that- Buyers.
0: Hoping that he and Ingram and Zion, uh, whoever, wherever he is, if he ever comes back to play, that that is going to be enough to be a contender. I think they're, uh, you know, close to being in the playoff spot, uh, a playoff um, uh, play-in spot. But, you know, the Pelicans kind of doing exactly what they did before with Anthony Davis. Panic moves, picking up some veterans that might not be as good as their contracts, that might not fit the best with the rest of the team and david griffin continuing his trend as not being the best gm what do you think about this trade so this
1: is you you mentioned his name david griffin this is the downfall of having gms on contracts so he is he himself is on an expiring deal so this is his last year at new orleans so why why as a gm on the way out why would he care about the future right so he's definitely going to mortgage the future and try to win now and maybe save his job if it doesn't save this job, maybe it, it get, helps him get a, another job because it shows his team, you know, went into the playoffs. But, um, I mean, it, it was a move that Portland had to make. We knew Dame and CJ had to be split up. I thought they should have just moved Dame. Um, but, I mean, he's he's one of the faces of the franchise. He's one of the faces of the NBA, so it's hard to move and, and get, like, equal value in return. So that makes sense. Uh, from a Pelican standpoint, I mean, this has to mean that Zion is coming back. I know he hasn't been back all year. He's probably gained 50 pounds, and his foot is not 100%. But to put your chips all in and and build around Ingram and yourself, like I, I feel like this means Zion is back. And if he is back, I do think they make the playoffs. I think that's a really good team. But I'm also very high on Brandon Ingram.
0: And Ingram has a, is sneakily having an outstanding season, I think, better than his... Was he most improved player? Better than his his most improved player year.
1: And he was an all-star
0: last year. Uh, and so we we mentioned that the the Blazers picked up um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. They actually moved him uh, the next day over to the Jazz and swapped him out for Joe Ingles, who is injured. Um, poor Joe Ingles, a great player, but getting old and... Not really worth anything at this point. So we're going to move straight on past that. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get to the deadline. And we'll get to the first trade that's listed here, which is the Bucks getting Serge Ibaka uh, and giving up Dante Di- DiVincenzo. I thought they were going to try to get somebody maybe a little bit better than Serge, a little bit younger. Serge is... We don't know how old Serge is. Let's just put it that way. But um, a move that they needed to make, I think, to to bump up their front line uh, when they inevitably or at this point, inevitably faced Embiid. What do you think about the Bucks picking up Ibaka?
1: Yeah, this is definitely for the playoff matchups. Because um, I think they they are pretty high on De- Dante DiVincenzo. Um, even though he came back from injury from last, uh, last year's injury, he hasn't played really well this season. But there is, you know, some upside with him. And Ibaka is definitely just like a six-month rental who is definitely – Past forty years old, <laughs> past his prime. It's another big body to throw at Embiid. Also Nikola Lucevic. Um and it, I think it's also a sign that they think Brook Lopez may not be coming back. So just added insurance behind Giannis because I mean, at the end of the day, Giannis is going to play close to forty minutes in the playoffs. If 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 Ibaka can give you five, eight, ten minutes of you know productivity, although like man, the more it's think about this trade, I, I don't think it was good for, for Milwaukee because I think if they're going to play a that might mean they'll take away minutes for Bobby Portis. And Portis is a baller the last year. So I don't know. I, I think Milwaukee is still the team to beat in the East. I don't know if I, I like this trade for them.
0: Uh, Portis definitely transformed his game over the past couple of years. A very solid a uh, three-point shooter now, which is surprising, and kind of a do-it-all player, as we saw in the in the playoff run last year. Uh, the Bucks do get two future seconds and some cash, so interesting mm. here, but I guess, you know, ultimately six fouls to, to throw at Embiid. Another small trade, Thaddeus Young going from the Spurs to the Raptors, and the Spurs taking on Goran Dragic's expiring contract. I don't know if he's going to get bought out or waived, uh, but the Spurs also get a pick. I, I don't know what to think about these. Dragic, maybe four years ago, would have been an awesome Spurs player. Thaddeus Young. I feel like he has played on every team in the league. <laughs> yeah. Was he on was he on the Raptors? Uh I, I don't think Probably.
1: I mean by default, just say yes.
0: Okay. And then um the, the I guess the let's get let's get to the big one, guys. Um the Nets and the Sixers. The two Man. the two sob stories, dramas for the past how long the past seven or eight months for, for Ben Simmons, since he decided not to shoot in the playoffs, since he decided not to play for the rest, for the start of the season. And then James Harden deciding that he wanted to leave another team and force his way out. The Brooklyn Nets get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry and Andre Drummond and two first round picks uh, with protections, but still two first round picks and the Philadelphia 76ers and James Harden uh, goes over there to reunite with Daryl Morey and Tad Brown, and um, I don't know what to say about this. What do you think about this trade? Who wins the trade? Does everybody lose the trade? Do we ultimately? All yeah, win?
1: I mean, as NBA fans, I think we're all losers to be honest. If if we're just looking at 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 the trade in a vacuum, obviously what the Nets got back was amazing, but that's an unfair you know grading of the trade because he wasn't going to play for Philly. Like, yes, Ben Simmons got back, or uh, Ben Simmons, was, or the Nets was able to, the, the Nets were able to get Ben Simmons in, in assets, but, um, you know, Ben Simmons wasn't an asset for Philly. So at the end of the day, I, I think we are all losers. I mean, we should all, all be mad at Ben Simmons. Like, you're 25 years old, in your prime, and you're not going to play for the team that you have a contract with. And then James Harden, who, you know, is going to go down as a top 10 scorer of all time, Quit on Houston and quit on Brooklyn within, you know, a year, like 15 months. So I mean, two superstars that kind of quit on their teams in different ways. Uh, I'm glad we've moved past it, right? That's the most important part. I think it's going to be exciting to watch uh, these two teams kind of integrate these guys into their teams. For Philly, though, it's nice that they kept both Maxi and Thibault. Uh, So now they have still two, uh, you know, athletic wings, Thibault being elite defender. Um, So that's nice for Philly. I think they lose a lot of shooting, obviously, without Seth Curry. Nets quietly have a really, really deep team now when Kevin Durant does return. They have two elite shooters in Seth Curry and Patty Mills. That's not even including Joe Harris, who may return soon. And then Kevin Durant, if he returns, it'll be Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons, with LaMarcus and Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin. Like, this team instantly became really deep, and I know they've lost 10 straight, but in a playoff series, like, who's going to want to play these this team? Like, I think the Nets, talent-wise, obviously are are the best team, or is the best team in the East, but we'll see if they can kind of fit their pieces together.
0: A lot of the names you you threw out there for the Brooklyn Nets would have been really nice in 2017. 2018. But LaMarcus
1: has been playing well. Blake really sure. fills, fills a role for, for that team. Um, they still have, you know, Claxton. Like, the team is actually really deep. I mean, you can't have 10 superstars, right? But they have three stars with a really nice supporting cast now. Yes, they're it, older, just, but
0: they're still good. Yeah, it, it is funny because when you hear the names, they sound incredible. But they're they're all good role players at this point, which is exactly what they need. It's just funny to hear all those names on this team. You know, we talked about the fans, and us truly being the losers here. We're kind of also the winners because somehow while this deal is, you know, two of the players that nobody wants to see, they also are fitting perfectly with their new teams or are helping their new teams who could both possibly be, you know, finals contenders. So the Sixers now with Embiid and Harden have you know, one of the best one, two punches in the league, maybe maybe one of the, the three best. And then the Nets, like you mentioned, getting so much depth and then really working on something that they need, which is some defense with Ben Simmons and Ben Simmons not having the pressure of needing to score because he's got Kyrie and KD. He's on the got team scores
1: who, yeah, all over the place.
0: All they do is score. So. Somehow, this, this kind of works out really well for both teams. Uh, and it's just going to be fascinating, like you said, to see how this works when everybody starts I'm, playing. I'm just
1: happy for your Ben Simmons rookie card, BGS nine and a half. I think that's going to go up now.
0: I just took a picture of it because I'm going to post it. <laughs> <every day. laughs> It. I know I'm not going to make money, but I would like to just get it off of my hands. So you, we are on the same page. Um, I also acquired a random James Harden rookie card through a, a bulk trade, and uh, I'm ready to move that as well. The biggest
1: so- risk, though, in my opinion, is Philly, right? Because they're taking on a guy who's already quit on two teams. I know Ben Simmons is. I know Ben Simmons quit on them, and he's hated. Like no fan in Philly likes Ben Simmons. Um, but it is what it is. But you're also acquiring a guy that's are, has a past history of quitting, and he he just hasn't been good this year compared to previous years. Maybe that's just the fit in the Nets. Maybe that's you know his fitness level or the the rule changes. But this is not the, ben, the This is not the same James Harden in Houston. So I do think that um, you know the, the Sixers are going in, but I don't know if they're getting like the 100 percent James Harden that people expect.
0: Well, but let's let's go back. I mean, the James Harden in Houston at the beginning of last year was was awful. Right. And then he went to the Nets out of shape, wasn't great. And then he played his way into being a really, really great player again, was solid in the playoffs and uh, almost got them past uh, the next round when when guys were hurt. So he was really good. And then at some point he just decided he didn't like it. He he didn't like having uh, to deal with Kyrie not playing in any or half of the games He's going to a place now that he wants to be. And we've seen, you know, when he started going to the Nets and he wanted to be there, he played really well. And this is, you know, this is Daryl Morey. This is Daryl Morey's, um, you know, exactly what he wants to do. It True. is manifesto. Yeah. It is get as many of the top tier stars as possible to give yourself a chance to win one time. And, you know, we're in a place with the Eastern Conference right now where it's still wide open, even though the Bucks, I think, are clearly the favorites. You know, a team with Harden and Embiid in the playoffs – can be super super dangerous, and you know one of the keys here is that Harden opted in to his last year. Yeah, yeah that's, that's
1: true. That's that's or a good just, point. I mean, we, we we should just stay on this topic because this is the you know the the highlight, the headline of the of the day. But um, the Sixers. Another thing I want to talk about with Philly is it took them like five years to find a JJ Redick replacement, right? In Seth Curry, like someone that can really shoot the three ball well, uh, spot up as well as off the dribble. And if you think about just the makeup of this team, obviously we haven't seen them play yet, but, you know, Maxey's not a shooter. Thibault's not a shooter. I just don't know if they have enough shooting, especially in 2022, to really compete because everyone's going to collapse on Embiid or Harden. And I, I don't know if you've watched Harden this year, but he just doesn't want to shoot. It's, and maybe you're right. It's because he didn't want to be in Brooklyn, but I don't know. There's something off with him this year and but when you look at the Nets team and again it's a big if if KD is back and if you know Kyrie plays like you know one of the top point guards in the league that team to me is a better fit than what Philly has like i'm i think the ceiling of the Nets is higher than the ceiling of the Sixers do you agree
0: i definitely think the Nets have a better team and they have better construction and better fits we don't know how many of the games that Kyrie will be allowed to play I don't think that he will be vaccinated at any point. So we don't know how those rules will change. We don't know how KD will be, what KD's health status will be. They definitely have the upside and the overall better team. But the Sixers at the same time have, like we said, two of maybe the best players in the Eastern Conference. Yes, two of the top true. five players in the Eastern Conference. They have kind of that top tier talent. And, you know, like we said, this is what Mori wants to do. He doesn't care that much about the rest of the players, uh, about the rest of the team. He'll figure out figure it out on the fridges or on the scraps I mean I think it's doomed to fail because I hate James Harden as we all know on this podcast I don't think that he is a winning player that he can bring his team to the next level and if he proves me wrong then so be it but it's hard for me to imagine them going all the way but I can definitely understand why they decided this was the move to make
1: one thing I would like to say uh, to close it out is you see how the east men they're loading up after LeBron leaves well, yeah,
0: everybody was, was scared, and nobody wanted to, to go all in until uh, until he's gone, until it's wide open.
1: He leaves the conference, and now the East is crazy, man, like the Bucks, the Nets, the Sixers, obviously the Cavs are overperforming. Toronto's kind of overperforming. Miami is all in, right, with Lowry. So, I mean, you have at least five teams in the East that are literally all in and each one of them can win. Like, I like Miami in the playoffs because I, I, I'm a big Lowry guy and I love their defense, but I could see any of those five teams kind of t- taking it.
0: Okay, enough of that trade. Let's move on to uh, to a couple smaller trades. The Boston Celtics get Derek White from the Spurs and give up Josh Richardson. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, the Celtics gave up a pick because they wanted to upgrade a little bit. I, Derek White is definitely better. I don't think that's going to do much for the Celtics chances they didn't get to make a splashier move or or get a big man or anything like that
1: yeah this this is a non-story
0: <laughs> all right Spl- sons of the Pacers yeah. the Suns pick up Tory Craig uh and give up Jalen Smith who they drafted I think ahead of Tyrese Halliburton the Pacers take a flyer on Jalen Smith which is uh, a pretty nice move for them to make uh, given that they're give- blowing everything up and they can get some playing time
1: yeah, I mean, this is also a small trade here. I'm surprised they gave up on Jalen Smith, um, but it makes sense because they're in win now mode, right? Chris Paul is towards the end of his career. They're the best team in the NBA right now. They just killed the uh, they just killed the Bucks last night by 20. So I think yep. uh, you know they're all in and it, it makes sense from that standpoint, from the timeline standpoint.
0: Yeah, and the Suns also picked up Aaron Holiday from the Wizards for cash. Uh, we'll talk about the Wizards in just a second. So definitely the Suns are making some small small moves around the fringes, and they are the favorites, I think, in the West. I mean, the Warriors are awesome, and there's always threats from other teams uh, like LeBron and, and AD if they get healthy, but I think the Suns are definitely favorites there in the West. The Wizards, like I mentioned, uh, you know, moved Aaron Holiday. They also decided to really blow things up yet again. They move Montrezl Harrell first of all, which is not a huge deal. But then the big the big deal for you, they move Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans and decide that Kristaps Porzingis will be their their next savior. Um, how do you feel about the Wizards? And more importantly, what do you think about the Mavs now?
1: From a Wizards' standpoint, it makes sense that they were blowing things up because uh, Bradley Beal had to have wrist surgery and he's out for the year. The team started off really hot. I think they were like I don't know like fifteen and five at one point. Um, but they've really, really slid since, and they're you know, going to be out of the playoffs very soon. I think they're in the play-in right now, but without Beal and the rest of the guys, I think they're about to slide. I don't know if they view Chris Steps as, a, as the next savior with, with the team. I think it was just uh, a, a move that fit. It, it felt very last minute, and it was last minute, right? It was towards the end of the deadline. I think both Dallas and, and Washington just decided to to do a move because it was beneficial to both, but at the end of the day, I think it's um, I don't think it moves the needle for for either team.
0: but how do you feel about getting rid of Chris for
1: yeah, as, as a Maz fan, I'm good with it. I'm good with it because I mean I've watched Chris steps now for the better of two plus years. Um I was a big advocate, a, a big champion for the initial trade with the Knicks, uh, giving up you know Dennis Smith Jr, two first round picks at the thought of you know getting back a unicorn. And he is a unicorn in in the way that he's seven three. He has guard skills., uh, but his mindset just didn't really fit with Luca and the organization. Um and that's not a knock on him. I think that the team tried many, many different ways to try to fit him in that he just wasn't, he, it was just It was just not the right fit. And so when you have guys like Maxi Kleber or Dwight Powell who fit better with Luka and they're getting more minutes than Chris Steps, then, I mean, the truth is it is in the pudding. So from that perspective, I'm good with trading away Chris Steps, getting back someone like Spencer Dinwiddie, who is pretty redundant to, you know, uh, our guy, Jalen Brunson, but it's also insurance because Jalen Brunson is, has one year left on his rookie contract. He gets paid a lot more if he signs with another team compared to extending with his current team as a second-round pick. So I think he's most, like, 95% leaving. So this is kind of insurance for his departure. And I think Spencer and Luca can work out. So um, from a from a Luca perspective, who is the crown jewel of the franchise, he came out and scored 30 points in the first quarter yesterday. Um, I think that's, like... His his way of saying that he was good with the trade. Fifty
0: two points, right? Career high. Fifty one, yeah, fifty one. One, um, and I, I think you know I, I saw this on social media. Somebody saying that the the true winner here was Mark Cuban, who made the trade just so he could have somebody to talk crypto with Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm, nice. Uh, um, okay, so that's the trade deadline. It was it was eventful. There was a lot going on, but let's go back and review the Eastern and the Western conferences now. I I thought we should kind of see the lay of the land and and make a couple quick predictions. Let's start with the West, where the Suns, like we mentioned, are atop the conference. They're four and a half games ahead of the Warriors right now. They're quite clearly the the top team. The Grizzlies lurking there at number three, who are incredible and so fun to watch. Mm -hmm. The bottom of the conference, like we said, the Pelicans are in the play-in right now, so are the Lakers and the Clippers. Uh, And then beyond that, who really cares, right? But um, your Mavs? sitting at number five pretty close to the Jazz at number four um as of today who is your pick to be in the Western Conference Finals and to make it out of the West
1: I think it's uh it's kind of boring but I think Phoenix Suns by far the best team in the West um I think they're arguably the best team in the NBA this year I think um losing the finals like just having that experience for Booker and Aiton and um guys like Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson have really really improved like taking like five leaps forward so i think that team is the best and chris paul is still amazingly chris paul like um he can just you know just run around for three quarters and then the fourth quarter he like literally just takes over the game at six foot tall so i mean like i think that is the best team they do have the best closing team right because it's not only booker and paul but bridges and like guys like jay crowder hit really really clutch threes all game long so um i think it's the suns if i had to pick like a dark horse um if i had to pick a dark horse i mean it has to be my mavericks man luca
0: i definitely agree the suns are the team to beat i think the warriors are super dangerous but it kind of depends if Draymond green gets healthy and how he get, he integrates back in the team and I mean, him being back will really help Clay uh, get back into it. I think the Grizzlies are the are the dark horse, though. I think the Grizzlies are so deep, so talented, so fearless, and John Morant John Morant is already a you know an All Star and an All NBA kind of yeah. player, and uh, I mean he could easily take the next step because he has that team around him that Luca doesn't. And so, if I were to pick somebody to to jump ahead, uh, it would be the Grizz. I agree. But, I, agree I think that. ultimately uh, we're aligned. Phoenix coming out of the West Eastern Conference, like you mentioned, the top few seeds all within a game and a half of each other. The Heat, the Bulls, the Cavs, and the Bucks. We didn't talk that much about the Bulls. Uh, and then, of course, we have the Sixers right after that and the Nets kind of lurking a few games behind, even though they've lost, like you said, 10 straight. There's still only six and a half games out of first. Um, so a few games here and there. KD getting healthy. Who knows? But what is your pick out of the East? Uh, the top two? My heat? pick
1: all year, yeah, my pick all year has been Miami. I just love how that team is constructed. Um, I think they've been kind of dealing with in- injuries. I mean, everyone, every team has been dealing with injuries and COVID-related stuff all year long. Uh, but I think they've just – it's just been like a different level for them. I think living in Miami probably has a lot to do with that. Um, but once the playoffs start, I think from top to bottom – and how that team, the mindset of that team, like, they rather just lock you down as a, as opposed to, like, running with you. So I like that type of mindset. Um, I think Miami is the pick. My dark horse, if, if Miami is not considered a dark horse, uh, my dark horse would be Cleveland, man. Again, another defensive-minded team. I love Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, uh, the Twin Towers. So I like uh, Miami and Cleveland.
0: I mean, defense wins championships, right? We, I mean, the Suns have an awesome defense in the West, sort of the Warriors. Uh, the Heat, only a team that I I like too. Uh, my pick in the in the East is is it the the defending champs, the
1: yeah,
0: M MVP Giannis and the Bucks. I think they're still the favorite. They're only a game and a half out, I think, out of first, like we mentioned, and I think it's gonna be a rematch of last year. Uh, I would also go with the Heat as the as the number two. I can't pick the Sixers or the Nets or. Or the Bulls. Uh, all respect given to what they've done this season, but uh, I think the Heat are built for the playoffs. I think that defense, like you mentioned, is is outstanding, and in that intensity of those players' health is going to be a huge issue. Like we mentioned, we got some yeah. I, I
1: would I would like to shout out the Bulls. If Caruso and Lonzo are back, um, that's a fearsome defensive backcourt. Um, so they have like you know they have a lot of scoring and a lot of playmaking when it comes to Demar Derozan and and Zach Levine. But I think if and when those two guys come back, it's a completely different team. Um, I don't know if they can win the East, but I think they can get to an Eastern Conference Finals. Like, I like how that team is constructed as well. And Damar DeRozan, I know it's been quiet the last couple of weeks, but he's still the leading fourth-quarter scorer in the NBA. He's the most clutch player uh, right now. So I think, uh, you know, wow. the, Bulls are, the Bulls are a dark horse as well.
0: Like you said, the East is loaded. We got, like, six solid... Vendors. So it's fun it's going to be exciting to see what happens in the stretch run here but that'll do it for this episode of six pennies podcast thanks for joining us and hope you listen again next time